Welcome to Living Orthodoxy, an invitation to a deeper life in Christ, a podcast of St. Philip Orthodox Church in Southerton, Pennsylvania, dedicated to connecting the liturgical and spiritual life of the Orthodox parish with the life of the Orthodox home, presenting the weekly homilies of our parish pastors, Father Noah Buscelli and Father James Thayer, as well as discussions of the liturgical year and Orthodox life and practice by Justin Bowl and Jeff Hyatt. Now here is Father Noah Buscelli. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Glory to Jesus Christ. This is the day which the Lord has made. Lord, it is good for us to be here. And I want to ask the question in a number of ways this morning. Why are you here? Why are you here? It brings me back to my days in seminary. The seminarians had a joke. We would greet each other, Happy Names Day, on the Feast of the Publican and the Pharisee. Because we knew we were all Pharisees. And we we weren't pretending that we weren't. Why are we here? I don't mean the big existential question, though that should always be in the forefront of our minds. Why and how? For what purpose? And what will we bring from here? 2 Timothy chapter 3 contrasts dead faith versus living faith. And it's important to notice what he says about it. Living faith is not Disneyland faith. Living faith is not Hollywood faith. Living faith is not storybook. They all lived happily ever after. Though, of course, happily ever after, but before that. So chapter 3, 2 Timothy He says, the perilous times will come, for men will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boasters, proud, blasphemers, disobedient to parents, unthankful, unholy, unloving, unforgiving, slanderers, without self-control, brutal, despisers of good, traitors, headstrong, haughty, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying its power. I feel like he was looking into my soul when he read that, when he wrote that. We should all feel that he he is pulling out from us the garbage that's in our heart when he writes that. Having a form of godliness but denying its power. This is the dead faith that we don't want. And then he goes on to talk about the living faith. And it's amazing because he gives himself as the example. It sounds very proud, doesn't it? To use oneself as an example. But he had such great humility he could point to himself without pride. And so he says in verse 10, 
But you have carefully followed my doctrine, my manner of life, my purpose, faith, long-suffering, love, perseverance, persecutions, afflictions, which happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra, what persecutions I endured. And out of all of them, the Lord delivered me. Yes, and all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will suffer persecution. Living faith means alive, which means struggle. Living faith means dynamism. It means growth. It means making mistakes and repenting of them, reconciling with each other when we step on each other's toes. Living faith means dying, and behold, we live, knowing that our minuscule understanding of life, biological, intellectual, emotional, is nothing compared to God's gift of life, which is spiritual and eternal. Living faith versus dead faith. And I want to apologize to my children first, of course, but all of you, for, for having a dead faith and being a poor example for you. I hope this Lent to offer to God my repentance because you deserve a better priest. With that in mind, I want to introduce a psych psychological word. The word is reframing, to reframe something. Very important. That's the psychological way to say what Christians have been saying all this time, to repent, to change your mind, to have your mind your changed, to see something different. Psychologically, the notion of framing is that whatever is around it is the way we view it. And I suggest that we move from framing reality with ourself, not just to framing it with others, but framing reality with God. Framing reality with ourself is pride and self-love. That's in the list of dead faith that St. Paul writes to Timothy. The hieromonk Gregorios, who wrote the catechism that I'm using with our catechumens and inquirers, says that self-love is the mother of all passions. So if you are the frame through which you view the world, I ask you to take that frame out and hand it to God. Or if your neighbor is the frame through which you view the world, you're going to be stuck in vainglory, worried about what everyone thinks of you. I once caught myself thinking, what is that person thinking of me? It was the most ridiculous thing in the world. Who cares what they think? Because we've had our reward if we think that someone's thinking highly of us and then we can rejoice in that. We've had our reward. We've had our empty glory. So if we've framed our lives in the frame of the other, let's take that frame off and hand it to God the carpenter, and let's receive from him the frame, which is true vision. 
a proper vision of truth, a proper vision of reality, of life, of neighbor and self. And if we have our world framed correctly, we can indeed love ourselves properly, and we can indeed love our neighbors, serving them rather than trying to please them, because we know that we are trying to please God. Moving from dead faith to living faith, I'd like to just briefly look at the parable of the publican and the Pharisee. It's a parable, and yet I think it's the most true thing in the world. Two men went up to the temple to pray. And I ask you that question again. Why are you here? Why did you get up from your bed this morning? Why did you put on your best? Two men went up to the temple to pray. One went thinking that he was, as we used to say, the bee's knees, thinking that he was righteous, deluding himself even in his prayer. Our Lord says, he prayed thus with himself. He was not praying to God when he said, God, I thank you that I am not like. He was praying to himself, the idol of himself. Two men went up to the temple to pray. Saint Ignatius Priyanchaninov, a great Russian ascetic, says, he who does not acknowledge his sinfulness, his fall, his perdition, cannot accept Christ, cannot believe in Christ, cannot be a Christian. So I ask, why are we here? What brought us here? The beauty? That's a good reason. That's what brought me to orthodoxy initially. A friend, I said, this is the most beautiful thing. Or was it duty? What brought you here? That's a good thing. Duty is a good thing. Duty to your heritage. Duty to your family. Duty to the commitment that you've made to the the good people of our parish. These are all good, but they're not enough. They're blessable for the beginning, but they're stagnant if they're the end. Now, we are here because we are responding to God's love. We are here because we know we don't belong here, and yet he draws us here anyway. When we think we belong, we don't belong. But when we know we don't belong, that's when we belong. When we can quiet ourselves down just enough, we should only be like the publican, the tax collector, who said, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. So we are asking God for repentance. We are asking God to help us make a change in our life. And as we do that, I want to give you one more thing to think about. There's the false dichotomy. Either we are self-loving or self-loathing. But it does not have to be that way. Again, the frame is self there. 
We have to take that frame off and put the frame of God. And the frame of God is true, that we truly love ourselves in Christ, in repentance, in service to others. So not self-loving like the Pharisee, and not self-loathing like the demons want to delude us, that God cannot help us. No, we have living faith in Christ. Let us be like the Pharisee in trying to draw near to God. That was a good thing. But let us be like him with the humility of the publican, the righteousness of the Pharisee, and the humility of the publican. It's, it's a dynamic equation for sanctity. I joked about the feast day of the Pharisee, but now I'm not joking when I congratulate the women of our parish on the feast day of St. Miriamne, who was the sister of St. Philip. Our St. Philip had a sister, and she was an apostle like him. And when he was carried to his death, hung up on a tree, crucified, she did not die. He died first. And then the people took everybody down. They buried Philip with reverence because while he was dying, the earth shook. God shook them, and they repented and realized that, wait a second, I am not the end of the world. God reframed their thinking, these people in Hierapolis. And they came to know and love the one true God and his son, Jesus Christ, by the visitation of the Holy Spirit. Miriam Nee buried her brother and then went on as an apostle. Her great love for God, her great repentance, did not leave her stagnant, Her great love for God led her, led her hungry to share salvation with other people. And so, sisters in our parish, what a beautiful patroness, matron saint you have, Saint Miriam Ni. With her in mind, with this wonderful publican and Pharisee parable, I ask you to start getting out your maps to Pascha, We are on our way into Great Lent soon, into Holy Week, and into the Resurrection. Don't fall for the devil's lie that you can't change. Don't fall for the lies that you see on TV, that you see on your phones, that bounce around your head, that God does not exist, or God does not care, or God has nothing to do with us. No, he he loves us, and he wants us to be able to love him more effectively. So why are we here? Why are we here? We are here beating our breast, knowing that we fall short of God's mercy, and yet he piles it on anyway. We are here beggars asking for a crumb like the Canaanite woman 
and yet he gives us loaves and we can barely carry them out. We are here for love. We were brought here by God's love. We are transformed here by his love and let us take his love with us and transform our homes and our neighborhoods, our workplaces into little outposts of the kingdom of heaven. Amen.